to Numbers chapter 5. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel that they put out of the camp every leper, everyone who has a discharge, and whoever is unclean by a corpse. You shall put both male and female outside of the camp so that they won't defile the camp in the midst of which I dwell. The children of Israel did so and put them outside of the camp as Yahweh spoke to Moses, so the children of Israel did. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel. When a man or a woman commits any sin that men commit, so as to trespass against Yahweh, and that soul is guilty, then he shall confess his sin which he has done, he shall make restitution for his guilt in full, add to it the fifth part of it, and give it to him in respect of whom he has been guilty. But if the man has no kinsman to whom restitution may be made for the guilt, the restitution for guilt which is made to Yahweh shall be the priests, in addition to the ram of the atonement by which atonement shall be made for him. Every heave offering of all the holy things of the children of Israel, which they present to the priest, shall be his. Every man's holy things shall be his. Whatever any man gives the priest, it shall be his. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and tell them, If any man's wife goes astray and is unfaithful to him, and a man lies with her carnally, and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband, and this is kept concealed, and she is defiled, and there is no witness against her, and she isn't taken in the act, and the spirit of jealousy comes on him, and he is jealous of his wife, and she is defiled, or if the spirit of jealousy comes on him, and he, he is jealous of his wife, and she isn't defiled, then the man shall bring his wife to the priest, and shall bring her offering for her, one-tenth of an ephah of barley meal. He shall pour no oil on it, nor put frankincense on it, for it is a meal offering of jealousy, a meal offering of memorial, bringing iniquity to memory. The priest shall bring her near, and shall set her before Yahweh. The priest shall take holy water in an earthen vessel, and the priest shall take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle and put it in the water. The priest shall set the woman before Yahweh and let the hair of the woman's head go loose and put the meal offering of memorial in her hands, which is the meal offering of jealousy. The priest shall have in his hand the water of bitterness that brings a curse. The priest shall cause her to take an oath and shall tell the woman, If no man has lain with you and you haven't gone aside to uncleanness, being under your husband's authority, be free from this water of bitterness that brings a curse. But if you have gone astray, being under your husband's authority, and if you are defiled, and some man has lain with you beside your husband, then the priest shall cause the woman to swear with the oath of cursing, and the priest shall tell the woman, May Yahweh make you a curse, and an oath among your people, when Yahweh allows your thigh to fall away and your body to swell. And this water shall, that brings a curse will go into your bowels and make your body swell and your thigh fall away. The woman shall say, Amen, Amen. The priest shall write these curses in a book and shall wipe them into the water of bitterness. He shall make the woman drink the water of bitterness that causes the curse, and the water that causes the curse shall enter into her and become bitter. The priest shall take the meal offering of jealousy out of the woman's hand 
and shall wave the meal offering before Yahweh and bring it to the altar. The priest shall take a handful of the meal offering as its memorial portion and burn it on the altar and afterwards shall make the woman drink the water. When he has made her drink the water, then it shall happen. If she is defiled and has committed a trespass against her husband, that the water that causes the curse will enter into her and become bitter, and her body will swell, and her thigh will fall away, and the woman will be a curse among her people. If the woman isn't defiled but is clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive offspring. This is the law of jealousy, when a wife being under her husband goes astray or is defiled, or when the spirit of jealousy comes on a man and he is jealous of his wife, then he shall set the woman before Yahweh, and the priest shall execute on her all this law. The man shall be free from iniquity, and the woman shall bear her iniquity. The, the obvious significant part of this chapter that stands out is this test for an unfaithful wife. At least that's what it's called by commentators. And, um, but it could also be called the test of a jealous husband. <laughs> um, so obviously you got the gist of it here. A woman is suspected by her husband of being unfaithful. She may or she may not have been, but he thinks it and he's jealous. So there's this process. He brings it to the priest, there's an offering. She has to say words and promise basically that she's done the right thing in God's eyes and say amen and agree that she's done the right thing then she's going to drink this bitter water that's got the word to the curse rubbed into it as well as dirt and the effect of this is that God will cause the water to have um, a negative effect on her body so that her body will swell and her thigh will fall away and um, I'm not completely sure what that means but it said at the end that if she was innocent she would still be able to bear children so I suspect that this has some effect on her reproduction system so that she's unable to have children. It's a curse, in other words. If, if, um, if she did the wrong thing, and she, so she's making a promise before God, saying, I've done the right thing, but if she's lying to God and she has done the wrong thing, then she's basically putting herself under a curse. Now, um, in the ancient, in the world, before I tell you about the ancient world, let's tell, talk to you about the modern world. People who read this passage, they think, uh, goodness me, they think this is so unfair. Why is there a test for an unfaithful woman? What about a test for an unfaithful man? And they think it's all very one-sided. And the world we live in is politically correct, and it's all about equal rights. And there's nothing wrong with equality at all, but there's a few things worth realizing. First is, the ancient world wasn't equal and we can thank God for passages in the Bible like this because they have helped the world to become equal. You might not understand that at first, but this particular passage is a huge leap forward and it's something that the Lord did deliberately because he knew he couldn't make the drastic instant change that was needed, but he needed to take a step in that direction to bring about the type of change that he wanted to have. So we're living in a world now where there is equality with these types of things, not with everything, but it's a hugely improved world, and it's actually because of passages like this. So rather than reading this passage and looking back with kind of an aghast attitude, like I can't believe that's in the Bible, 
No, we've got to look back, back at it with, with a bit of perspective and realize, thank God for a passage like this because it's helped us get where we are. Let me explain. In ancient times, there was this thing called trial by ordeal. In the ancient Near East, if a man thought that his wife had committed adultery, now we only had to think that she might have, there was a few different things that they could do. We're talking about Babylonian culture and other near, ancient Near Eastern cultures. One of the things they could do was tie some very heavy weights to, like tie some very heavy weights onto his wife and throw her into a river or a creek or a big body of water. And if she floated, she was obviously guilty, and then they would kill her. But if she sank to the bottom, sadly, she must have been innocent. Wow. That was one type of trial by ordeal. But there was another type, trial by fire. They would get the hand of the woman, they would push it into a fire and hold it there, and after a little while they would bring it out, and if her, if her hand was badly burned, she was guilty and she'd be punished by death. But if her hand was not burned, she must have been innocent and she's fine. So you can see that <laughs> this is the world in which God has given this command. This is all around the, the world. If men suspected their wives of, of adultery, they didn't basically didn't need proof. They basically could just dispose of their wives. And so sometimes there's even room here for a man to just decide he doesn't like his wife and he can just decide that he suspects her of being adulterous. That's enough grounds to get rid of his wife. So it was completely unfair in the ancient world in that regard. And so what the Lord did here was he says, if a man suspects his wife of being adulterous, whether she is or whether she isn't, this is what you do. You bring her to the Lord. She, she makes a promise to the Lord that she has not done the wrong thing and she drinks this water. And if she has done the wrong thing, then the Lord will cause her to be punished. But if she's done the right thing, this will not happen to her. So you can see that what this, what this law has done has taken the punishment out of the hands of a husband. It's taken it out of the hands of society and put it in the hands of the Lord. And the Lord is the one who will decide if someone is guilty or innocent. And in most cases, I suspect, well, for starters, it meant that a man couldn't just get rid of his wife if he didn't like her anymore. He couldn't just suddenly suspect her of being adulterous as a way of getting rid of her. That was no longer an option. And for her to go through this test that's described here, there actually had to be something miraculous happen to prove her guilty. And of course, the Lord is well and truly capable of doing that. So what this, what this test of an unfaithful wife is, is actually a huge advance in women's rights. And um, at the same time, Dr. Creasy, he's talked about this, and he says, <laughs> he says we should rename it, and we should call it a test of a jealous husband. Because he says, who's really being tested here? Is it the woman or the man? And he says that when a woman is proven to be innocent in this manner, it's the man who looks, who uh, everyone starts looking at and saying, well, why did you do that? You know, didn't you trust your wife? And it, it suddenly puts the light on him. And this, this is a, a, a huge lifting up of um, valuing of women. And that's what I was saying about the world we're living in today. If God hadn't taken steps like this in Scripture, we wouldn't. We these are these initial steps that that start giving women their value and their dignity back in a time when they just didn't have any. These are huge steps. 
And um, if, we, if these steps hadn't been taken by scripture, we wouldn't have what we have today. So we don't look back on them and criticize them. We just look back on them and we're amazed. And we just think what an incredible God we have. And so I'm so grateful to God for all he has done. Now I want to finish this with a spiritual thought. In the New Testament, we are called the, the Lord's wife. We who are the believers, the Christians, the church, we're the Lord's wife, we're his bride. And um, some, in some places, the Bible actually does tell us that the Lord is a jealous God. And what happens is that Christians, they set their affections on other things. And this is kind of like being unfaithful or kind of like being adulterous. And we do, we, as, we do it regularly. There are things that get our attention and we get so interested in them, we turn our eyes away from the Lord. It's kind of like a wife showing a lot of love and attention to another man because maybe he paid her a bit of attention or something and, and her own husband was, was being thoughtless at that time and so now her attentions have moved. Well, sometimes the believers, God's church, our attentions shift from the Lord to other things and the Lord gets jealous. And um, I just want to say about this that if we as God's people turn our attentions to other things, we find that even though the Lord doesn't curse us in this horrible sounding way here, what we find is that the unfaithfulness has the effect of taking away our fruitfulness. In this passage, the unfaithful woman lost her ability to be fruitful and bear children. It said that if she was faithful, that she would still be able to have children. And as God's people, if we take our eyes off the Lord, and we're not following him, and our attention is set on other things, what goes, what just goes from us, is our ability to bear fruit for the Lord. We find that we're not fruitful at all. We're not producing things that please him. Uh, we, we stop being effective in service. So this kind of illustration here of the unfaithful wife is what actually happens to us if we don't keep our eyes on Christ. And so it's a, it's a reminder to ask ourselves, are our eyes kept on Jesus Christ? Am I faithful to him? And I hope that you are. Lord, I ask you to help us to be a faithful wife as God's people. Help us to keep our eyes and our hearts set upon the Lord, that your blessing and your grace come upon us, that we would bear fruit for you. Lord, you said in John 15, if we abide in you and your words abide in us, we could ask whatever you wish. And this is to the Father's glory that we bear much fruit. Lord, help us to abide in you. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to bear much fruit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.